Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, February 11, 2021. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. We got NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day on Sunday. And because of that, we have the NXT champion himself, Finn Balor, on the show here today. The second time I've talked to him in about five months, I believe. I talked to him the day after he won the NXT Championship in September. And now we're talking to him right before TakeOver Vengeance on Sunday. Uh, he has a lot to say about the NXT Championship maybe being defended at WrestleMania, his upcoming title defense against Pete Dunne on Sunday, maybe at some point facing Triple H, Walter, his dream matches, the Bullet Club, wanting wrestling companies to work together. He has a lot of insightful, thoughtful insight. Insightful insight is not exactly a great way to put it, but he has a lot to say about all that stuff, and that's coming up shortly right here on the show. But before then, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Our TakeOver Vengeance Day predictions were cut short uh, because as the phone call with Mr. Marceau, who's also on today's show, as always, um, to help me break down Raw from this past week, the Lars Sullivan and Jackson Riker, not Jackson Riker, I think a lot of people wish it was Jackson Riker, um, the Steve Cutler releases from last week, um, my phone just went off, I apologize, but um, you know, while we were discussing all of that, I realized that I was actually interviewing Ember Moon, I forgot what time it was. At the end of the phone call. So we had to kind of quickly go through our TakeOver Vengeance Day predictions. They weren't as in-depth as usual. Um, so those are the very, very end of the episode. I talked to Amber Moon right after the phone call concluded. Because that interview is going up later on in the weekend. And then we might have another interview going up next week. Um, ahead of Elimination Chamber. So it, it's been a very busy week. And next week's going to be very busy too. But in like a good way. Uh, the Finn Balor interview. We recorded this on Tuesday. It's going up officially on the YouTube channel. And full form first thing on Friday morning. On YouTube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. So uh, usually I put the interviews up there first. But... Just because we're so close to that, I figured I would put it on the show here first, and because TakeOver's on Sunday, and to fill out the rest of the episode, because I did have to cut my conversation with Mr. Marzo short. Um, but yeah, that's also going up in article form on Bleacher Report, so you can check out the Finn Balor article, interview in article form on Bleacher Report first thing Friday morning, and on audio form on the YouTube channel. The Ember Moon interview should be up either on Saturday or Sunday, probably Saturday, that's what I'm aiming for currently. But it might be Sunday. I don't know yet. Um, and that'll be up in article form on DailyDDT.com at some point this weekend. And then, again, a potential another interview next week. So it's a very busy time right now. WrestleMania season is very exciting. And we have Impact No Surrender on Saturday, too. In addition to TakeOver on Sunday. And it's Valentine's Day. And 
it's the Daytona 500, which Mr. Marceau and I get into in a little bit. But before we welcome on Mr. Marceau, let's welcome on the NXT champion Finn Balor for an exclusive interview. Hey, Graham. How are you, man? Doing great, man. Obviously, we got TakeOver coming up on Sunday, Vengeance Day, Valentine's Day. You're defending the NXT Championship against Pete Dunne in the main event. Uh, you've had a lot of great title defenses so far between this reign and the first one, but how does Pete Dunne differ from everyone you faced so far since your return to NXT two years ago? Uh, I think the beautiful thing about the return to NXT is all my opponents have differed so greatly uh, you know, versus each other. I think uh, you know, I came in hot. There was stuff with Johnny Gargano, there was stuff with Matt Riddle, there was stuff with Damian Priest, all like completely different individuals. Uh, I think if anything, uh, with Pete, we probably bear the most similarities to each other as uh, all my opponents that are, that are faced in this second run in NXT. So um, for me, it's going to be a challenge. It's someone who uh, has definitely been on, been on the rise, you know, for the, for the last couple of years and someone, uh, you know, I'm, I'm well aware of his abilities uh inside the ring so uh, for me it's, it's going to pose a big challenge and I'm excited about it and it's going to be a great match I mean this is the first time you guys have ever gone one-on-one in WWE so it's bound to be awesome uh, this is your 20 uh, something takeover right do you know what number exactly this is going to be man that's that's your department <laughs> no idea <laughs> and it, it's pretty high up there I know that or matches. <laughs> I know it's like 20 something, but it's high up there. Uh, probably more than anyone at this point. Do you still get nervous on takeover day or is it just another day at the office after competing on so many? Yeah, there's, you know, different days very obviously, uh, you know, there's always that, that level of uh, anxiety before the match and excitement before, before any match. So, uh, you know, whether it's takeover or NXT TV on Wednesdays, you know, I don't treat it any different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it's a, it's a, if it's a house show in Ohio or a house show in California to me, like every, every match I treat the exact same and there's still that, you know, level of focus and concentration and, you know, certain nervous anxiety a little bit sometimes, you know, it's, it's just excitement to get out there. So it's, uh, you know, for me, yeah, I've had a lot of takeovers and I've had a lot, a lot of matches in my career and, you know, I don't really separate one from the other. I just, you know, take the next one as it comes. Yeah, well, that was my next question for you. I guess you kind of answered it right there. But having been on so many since 2014, you don't have a favorite one, do you? Or one that you've competed on that felt special, whether it be that first Brooklyn show. I was there for that one in August of 2015. The latter match with Kevin Owens was a fantastic match. Or whether it be the debut of the Demon, a takeover, our evolution. Does one stand out to you as being like, oh, that one was really special? Or do they all kind of like blend together at this point? Yeah, for me, the first uh, takeover london that we done yeah uh, yeah myself versus samoa joe for me that was like such a like a, a full circle moment in my career i obviously had started my career in in the uk and you know not too far from the venue that we were at and you know that was kind of retu- returning there with you know nxt and you know a lot of my friends and family were, were front row for that night you know had a great match with joe who's you know one of my absolute favorite competitors so uh, that was a very cool uh, night for me for for many reasons not just professionally but personally too yeah that was a great takeover i'm still waiting obviously when the pandemic's over but we still got to get another takeover that's overseas because that london one was real i think it's one of the more underrated ones that nxt has ever done so hopefully at some point you guys can go back over there 
Um, but we had the chance to speak last time, the day after you won the NXT championship back in September, it was a month after that you had the takeover match with Kyle O'Reilly. Fantastic match. You broke your jaw during the match. Uh, you were out for a little while. Were you ever close to actually relinquishing the championship or was it more a matter of when than if you would be back as champion? Uh, yeah, it was more a, a matter of when, um, Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, WWE, we've got such incredible doctors and, you know, it was really down to them that the fact that, you know, I, I remained champion. Um, there was there was a lot of misconfusion with different doctors that we went to locally that mm-hmm. kind of had misdiagnosed the the uh, the severity of the injury. And then obviously, uh, you know, the return afterwards was, uh, you know, the window kind of kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So uh, originally, you know, we had plan that you know i wouldn't be out for too long and it was just you know the the dynamic of the injury that kind of prolonged it a little bit and, and the healing and stuff but you know that was down to wwe doctors really making sure that you know i was 100 percent and protected at all times so um it was ne- there was never any doubt of what, whether i would relinquish the title maybe in hindsight if we'd have known how long it was going to be that might have been different but at the time we'd always imagined it was going to be a much shorter uh time frame so uh you know that's that's how it went down uh, i'm very grateful for wwe medical for how well they took care of me and uh you know i'm back now i feel better than ever so mm-hmm. no issues yeah no and it worked out because obviously you're still champion now and it's a really exciting time right now because between takeover and sunday you also have the potential possibility of edge looming in the background we saw you interact with him along with Pete Dunne, last Wednesday on the show. How cool is it for the first time ever, for you being champion right now, for that NXT championship to be in consideration for the Royal Rumble winner come uh, WrestleMania 37? Yeah, I feel, and rightly so. And, you know, a lot of justification and uh, thanks to all the hard work that, you know, NXT has done over the last couple of years and building the brand and really grown into a third, uh, you know, individual brands uh, of WWE and uh, you know I think that uh, all the titles should be held at the same you know level and uh, you know that's definitely what uh, what the way Edge sees it and I think that's the way a lot of people see it mm-hmm. and uh, you know I've absolutely no doubt that you know someday uh, the NXT title will be defended on Wrestlemania. And what are your thoughts on a potential match with someone like Edge? When you came into the company in 2014, he had been retired for three years by that point. And obviously coming back from injury last year, I guess you never thought you would get this match, but with the possibility of it potentially happening, maybe at WrestleMania, what are your thoughts on maybe facing Edge at some point? Yeah, it's very interesting because for me, I've always looked up to Edge, not only for uh, his ability in the ring and outside of the ring, but one of the people that I really admired how gracefully he had transitioned out of WWE and, you know, moved on to that next step in his life. And we had spoken about that, you know, in depth uh, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to see him back now is very, very uh, surreal. I had kind of, you know, never even entertained the possibility of us working together, you know, with, with his situation. So um, for, for me, it's very exciting. Obviously, I've got to be in the ring with all the top guys in WWE and, you know, Edge is, is the one that I've not been in the ring with. So that is someone that, you know, that is a box that I want to check. And, you know, if we can do it at WrestleMania, all the better. 
And you mentioned that it, it's more a matter of when than if I think at this point that the NXT championship will be defended at WrestleMania, whether it be this year and next year, it, it's inevitable at this point um, with it being so heavily rumored lately that the championship could be defended at Mania this year, especially recently with it being a two day event this year. Uh, I, I mean, how much would that mean to you to be back at WrestleMania as the NXT champion? And I think you've said before that your ultimate opponent would be carrying cross. Is that still the case? If that, uh, if that match were to happen at WrestleMania for the NXT championship? Um, I think certainly Karrion is entitled to a shot. Obviously, I sympathize with him a lot in mm. his situation with regards to like, understanding what he went through and having to, you know, relinquish the title through injury. Uh, so, you know, I think me having gone through that same journey can definitely relate to that and, and understand that he deserves a title shot. Obviously, I would love him to get it on the, the biggest stage you know, possible. If that's mm-hmm. takeover at WrestleMania weekend, if that's WrestleMania, that's cool. Um, you know, I don't think we can we can take away how important takeover is on WrestleMania weekend. And, mm-hmm. you know, do we want to, you know, impact NXT takeover by having the NXT title match on WrestleMania? I don't know. It's, you know, it's a, it's a catch-22 because, yeah. you know, you want NXT to grow and you want it to be involved in in WrestleMania, but at the same time, for the last five, six years, we've been building this brand on our own. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's our, our whole goal is, you know, to knock it out the park at TakeOver. And, um, you know, for to kind of detract from TakeOver at WrestleMania weekend by, by putting some title matches on uh, on WrestleMania might be a little bit counterproductive to, to what we're doing. So yeah. that's not really my decision. Uh, but, you know, if they want to send me out there on takeover, if they want to send me out there on WrestleMania, they want to send me out there on Monday morning uh, <laughs> in a parking lot, in a supermarket. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to defend the NXT title. So yeah. uh, whatever, whatever they say, you know, that that's my job. Well, you were actually recently at the Superstar Spectacle show, and it was weird because not only was that your Thunderdome debut, but it was your first appearance, <clears throat> excuse me, with anything relating to the main roster in close to a year and a half. So was that like a weird experience for you to be back among the Raw and SmackDown locker room? Uh, no, not a weird experience at all. Uh, obviously, you're right, first day at the Thunderdome, and mm. you know I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll be back there soon, but not a weird experience at all. You know, I've been doing this a long time. I've been around those guys a long time, and really, it had, you know, hadn't felt like a week had passed since I'd seen most of those guys or, or being in the locker room. So uh, it was it, it was cool to see a lot of those guys, especially you know the the people behind the cameras, the cameramen, the production staff, and all those guys that I wouldn't normally see. It was very cool to see. So. Uh, I'm sure I'll be back at the Thunderdome soon. <laughs> you know, having been back in NXT for a year and a half at this point, because you came back in October of 2019 on the first episode in USA Network. When you came back initially, was there a thought in your mind, okay, I'll be here for a couple of months, then I'll go back to Raw, go back to SmackDown or whatever, and then it turned into a long-term thing? Like, what was the initial thought process there? And the initial thought process was, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll go to NXT, we'll see how it works out. And, you know, it might be three months, it might be six months. Uh, there was no real, real plan. And uh, I know there's been discussion, you know, back and forth a couple of times about whether, you know, we should go back to Raw or go back to SmackDown. But um, for me, I'm very happy in NXT and I'm, you know, I'm willing to to give my heart and soul for NXT, you know, as, as long as, you know, there's a position there for me. So, um, you know, Nothing, nothing has been, you know, in concrete. There's been no like, uh, you know, set time frame on anything. You know, it's just 
you know, Finn, would you like to be a part of NXT? Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. NXT is part of me and, you know, I, I want to be there. So uh, as long as there's a position there for me, you know, I'm very grateful for it. Was that kind of the same thing with your first run in NXT too? Because I think a lot of people assumed when like you and Kevin Owens came in and Atami as well, that you guys would be down there for such a short period of time. Because by that point, you guys could have been on Raw or SmackDown on day one and it would have been fine. Um, but you ended up being there for two years, carrying the brand. Was that one of those things too, where it kind of grew into a lot more than what it was supposed to be originally? Uh, it definitely grew a lot longer than uh, I had been led to believe at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was certainly, uh, you know, uh, a hunger for me to want to, you know, outgrow NXT at that period in my life. And, you know, I wanted the challenge of Raw and I wanted the challenge of SmackDown. I wanted to be on Royal Rumble and Survivor Series and WrestleMania. So there was certainly more of an anxiety to move to the next level and to push, push harder, you know, and move to, you know, what I perceived as, you know, step up in regards to you know going to wrong going to smackdown yeah um, now i feel very different in the sense that you know nxt has grown so much uh you know and it really is it's established third brand that you know and you know i've also checked all the boxes with the things that i've wanted to do in my career that you know this is something that i can really you know put my heart into you know it's something that i'm passionate about and you know i don't have that you know uh urgency or that need to you know move to the next level where i feel like you know nxt and raw and smackdown are all at the same level right now and Mm -hmm. you know that's in in my view you know obviously people may see that differently but the way i see it you know i get challenged even more at nxt with regards the variety of opponents so Mm -hmm. um i definitely don't have that you know uh you know urgency to to move to raw smackdown right now very much you know committed to what i'm doing in nxt yeah. Yeah. No, the brand is bigger now than it's ever been before. So <clears throat> this is like the prime time to be NXT champion and killing it the way that you are currently. Um, I think one thing that people have always wondered, it's, it's been five years, which is crazy to think about since you arrived on the main roster initially, won the Universal Championship, winning that championship and then having it vacated the next night due to injury. That what if scenario, oh, well, my reign lasted longer, blah, 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 had I not gotten hurt. Is that something that goes through your mind or is it more a matter of just forward thinking like, okay, it happened. I'm making the most of it. It doesn't matter what would have happened because what happened did happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely the latter. You know, it was, it happened. It was part of my story. It was part of my growth. And like going back to like checking the boxes, I'm this like 14 year old kid from Ireland with a dream (laughs) of WWE champion. And I done it at SummerSlam and I beat Roman Reigns on my debut on Raw yeah. and you know I beat <laughs> Seth Rollins and won the title so like where can you go from there you know like, you got to look at the positives and really you know that was it that was the, the top of the mountain for me and you know I got there if it got taken away prematurely whatever mm-hmm. you know it was exactly it, it happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen for me and you know it's uh, it, I learned a lot from it and you know, maybe I'd be in a lot worse position now if I had have had that run uh, that, you know, people feel that I was, you know, robbed out for me, yeah. you know, as part of my story, it made me a stronger person. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not uh, resentful for it at all. Yeah. Well, I got to ask, do you have any thoughts on what we've been seeing lately across everywhere, actually, beyond just WWE with the current iteration of the Bullet Club, which obviously you helped form eight years ago, um, and how it's kind of managed to remain relevant across all these different promotions, whether it be WWE or elsewhere. And uh, all the te- all, you know, all the teases you've been thrown out on Twitter in the last couple of weeks, you've been known to do that before. Obviously, you did it when 
uh, Gallows and Anderson came in a number of years ago when you held the door open in the performance center when you were wearing the T-shirt. What's up with the teases and what are your thoughts on everything going on right now? Yeah, I think uh, it's something that's really stood the test of time. Um, and it's credit to, you know, not only, you know, the original generation of, you know, myself, Gallows, Anderson, Pamela and Fale, but, you know, the, the guys that came in after, whether it's, you know, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega and AJ, it's, uh, you know, it's it's something that I feel has, has grown, has transitioned and, has, you know, the people have kind of, you know, attached to it and, you know, bonded with it. And it's something that's, uh, that's kind of developed over the years in, in different different forms. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, it's very very cool to see how it how it you know is going right now. I know there's there's a lot of you know cross brand work going on, which is something that I've been an advocate for for years. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like we should be limited to you know what uh, you know our contract says or what you know company we work for. I feel like you know wrestling as a whole can be better if we all work together. So. And, you know, if that means me going to Japan or me going to Europe or Mexico, you know, I'm down to do that. So, uh, you know, I'm all for the for the kind of open border policy, not only with countries, <laughs> but with uh, promotions as well. Yeah. No, no. The funny thing is that, like, we say that now is like, oh, it may never happen. But like we've seen things in the last five years with WWE and beyond that we never thought would actually happen. So you never know. It's like a never say never thing at this point. So. If it's happening elsewhere, it could always happen with NXT, WWE, whatever. I think uh, a super show or some sort of, like you said, open border policy would be absolutely awesome. Uh, But as we wind down here, being in WWE now for seven years, having signed in 2014, what about being in WWE, in your opinion, has made you a better wrestler as well as a performer on the whole? Wow. Um, I feel like I've become a lot more consistent. I've become a lot more comfortable uh mm-hmm. when i'm in the ring uh, definitely the sheer volume of matches i was having uh in you know 2016 17 18 you know before uh, the pandemic was you know uh definitely helped me you know with um, on every level but really with like you know confidence in yourself that you know exactly what you're doing at all times and uh you know there's Working in Japan or working in Europe, you know, sometimes you're limited to the amount of dates you can you can wrestle. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of the the schedules based around the weekends where you know WWE was we were just going like nonstop. I think one one year I clocked up 172 matches in different oh. cities all around the world. Man. And uh, yeah, so uh, so just having that consistency and that like, it becomes second nature. And you know, it's like you know you could wake up and you could be in a wrestling match and you wouldn't be phased at all. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you know, wrestlers kind of have this, uh, this kind of like a nervous anxiety dream that mm-hmm. like they're, they're, they're dreaming and, uh, you know, their music is playing, but they haven't got their gear on or they're in the ring and their boots aren't laced up <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, you, and you panic and, and you wake up and you go, Oh no. And like, I would still have those dreams, but like, I'd be like in the locker room without my you know, gear on and my music will be fine. I'm like, ah, oh, don't worry, it'll be cool. Like, I wouldn't even be have anxiety in my dreams anymore. I was wrestling yeah. so much. So I was like, I'll be, I'll be in the ring without my boots and I'll be like, ah, oh, it's fine, don't worry, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You'll figure it out. So uh, uh, definitely that, you know, level of, uh, of self-confidence in your ability is something that, you know, WWE has hugely helped grow with the volume of matches I've had. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And one last thing, Finn, any one dream match? I mean, obviously you've been asked this a million times, I'm sure, but any one dream match that you still want to have that might be realistic, whether it be with an edge at WrestleMania or a carrying cross, like you said, or whether it be Walter, which we have yet to see, obviously, and hopefully at some point we do. Is there one dream match that stands out to you that you still want to have in WWE? And uh, there's there's three. The impossible one is right now is Undertaker. The yep. gray area one is Triple H. And mm-hmm. the very much a real possibility is Walter. There you go. That, I, I hashtag book it. I want to see that right now. And hopefully at some point we can. And that open border policy, hopefully literally will be open back up soon in terms of uh, getting Walter back over here to NXT so we can see it. But uh, if you've done this Sunday, a takeover Vengeance Day, it's going to be great for the NXT championship uh, February 14th on Valentine's Day. Finn, thanks so much for the time, man. Great talking to you again. Great. Thank you, man. Thanks to Finn for the time. He was once again awesome to chat with. So please welcome at this time Mr. Marceau to help me break down everything from this past week in wrestling and give us quick picks for TakeOver Vengeance Day this coming Sunday. Mr. Marceau, welcome back to the show, brother. How are you? Thanks for having me, GSM. We have NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day on Sunday. We have Valentine's Day on Sunday. Between those two things, you got to be pumped for that day, right? Um, I mean, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to Daytona on Sunday, but yeah, Vengeance Day should be pretty good as well. I forgot to do my homework. I forgot to say who I thought was winning on Sunday, but I'll tell you right off the bat, someone I do know, they're going to do well. I did watch the Super Bowl, so I, I'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Kyle Busch, baby. I see him going all the way. I see him taking home the title on Sunday. That's who you see winning it? I, I, I got my money on Kyle Busch and maybe Ryan Priest, just because Alexis's family is related to him. I mean, that's a good. I wouldn't say that's a bad pick on the Kyle Bush end. <laughs> what about you? Um, I mean, it's it's always a tough one, you know. It's always about who can avoid the wrecks, but uh, I mean, Denny Hamlin's always there. So, uh, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd probably go with Denny Hamlin. Just I think he is the odds-on favorite, but mm-hmm. he always seems to make it through the wrecks, and he's usually always there at the end. So, say so I can't go wrong with that one. Well, this year I'm actually going to watch the whole thing because I was ready and I was amped to watch it last year. And then, of course, the day of. Remember, it rained, so it got pushed back till Monday until, like, raw time or something? Correct. Yeah, so I'm hoping to watch it as it airs on Sunday. What time does it start? 2.30. Okay, that's actually not bad because TakeOver is at, at 7, so um, I know it's Valentine's Day. Are you guys getting snow, too? Because we're getting snow over here that day. Probably. I mean, we've been in snow like every day. And, like <laughs> last week, I think it fl- at least flaked every day. And then we got like decent amount of snow like, one day. Another day we got like a couple inches, but it like actually like flurried through the day every day. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm getting 2015 vibes here from when it was snowing every single week when we were at school and then we couldn't watch Raw because the cable was always out. And you actually had that issue, what, this week or last week? Last week I couldn't watch Raw because it snowed. We got like... Uh, 11 inches or some shit. Yeah, now we got a shit ton of snow. I think we're getting a decent amount on Sunday, but I'm hoping it's not too bad, but uh, we'll see. I'll be watching TakeOver regardless. But we are doing picks, previews, and predictions for the TakeOver event, Vengeance Day, coming up on Sunday night. At the end of the show, we got a lot to talk about before then, um, including Raw, NXT, Dynamite from last night, all very good shows for the most part. Um, one thing I forgot to ask you about last week, Mr. Marceau, that I wanted to get your two cents on, that dropped on Wednesday. I don't know how I forgot to mention it last week, so it's old news at this point, but the WWE release of Lars Sullivan. Now, I I was under the impression they just let him go because they had nothing for him, whatever, but it sounded like it was a um, Sullivan decision for him to leave the company, obviously dealing with the anxiety issues. That was rumored a couple of years ago. Um, that he confirmed in an interview or through a report on, um, I believe, Fightful.com. 
So he had been dealing with that for a long time, wasn't eating on, on show day, whatever, had trouble sleeping. He was on and off the show. Obviously, he took a lot of time off after that injury that I guess was a lot worse than expected in mid-2019 before coming back late last year. They put him over a few people. It looked like they were pushing him. The report of the time was that they weren't putting him on the show because they had nothing for him. And that might have been the case, but it sounds like it was a him decision to kind of you know back away from the spotlight, take time to himself, and uh, entirely leave the wrestling business, it sounds like. It sounds like he's done with wrestling altogether. So uh, what was your reaction, Mr. Marceau, and your thoughts on the Lars Sullivan departure from WWE last week? Yeah, I would say a little bit surprising. It seemed like, like you said, that there he was on for a little bit, um, then he took some time off, and he seemed like he was coming back again, and seemingly was going to get a push. I mean, he was on Raw and SmackDown just, like, squashing everyone, and then he took time off again and then split ways of the company, it seemed like, a little bit last week. But, uh, I mean, it's I wouldn't say it's a huge loss. I mean, I think he was good. I just I don't think he was ever going to get to the certain point. Like, I think he should have probably stayed on NXT a little bit longer. I mean, he wasn't the greatest in the ring. His character was, like, okay. I just never really thought he was the most interesting person. So, I mean, I think if they kept him on the main roster, maybe he'd have, like, I just don't think, even if they put a rocket up his ass, I just I just don't think he would ever stick. I think he was, like, a good to decent big man, but, like, he would never make that main event level or maybe, honestly, mid-card level. I just couldn't really see him making any kind of substance or real big contribution to the company. I mean... Obviously, someone was high on him, but I just never really got those vibes off of him. You know, I was a fan of his Between the Ropes. I thought he was a good, uh, not a great wrestler, but good enough, and obviously he had a lot of issues before he came to the company that were brought to light when he was called up a few years ago. Um, So very problematic in that sense. Uh, so I completely understand why people don't like the guy, and there was a lot of like good riddance type post when he when it was announced that he left the company last week. Um, but I thought there was something there. Again, I don't know if he was ever going to be WWE or Universal Champion, but um, I thought they were doing the slow and steady push pretty well when he first got called up two years ago, came back late last year. But he obviously has a lot more issues beyond what we see on WWE TV, so... If he can get that taken care of, that's great. But it doesn't sound like he's going to Impact or going to AEW as um, Mars Lullivan or something like that. So um, it sounds like he's done with wrestling altogether. What were your thoughts on the Steve Cutler release? Because uh, we now uh, we know now that he was uh, released last Thursday, right after we recorded the show. And that was a WWE decision. And there's a whole story behind that, but it was COVID-related reasons. He came back with COVID, not to the Thunderdome, but... Um, he tested positive for it. it. Was at a New Year's Eve party, I guess, with Deanna Perrazzo, who's his girlfriend. I didn't know that. Um, and again, he didn't bring it to the Thunderdome, but I guess the impression was, oh, you shouldn't have gotten COVID and maybe gotten other people sick because we, you know, promised people like Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens and people like that that, you know, when people took time off, that they would be safe and not stupid. And I'm sure he was far from the only one. So I, that's why I find this whole release thing weird. Again, as I've said before elsewhere, it's not like he was the most valuable performer on that roster. Nothing will be lost now that he's gone. Uh, the Forgotten Sons and the Knights of Corbin, whatever the fuck they were called, it was a completely pointless tag team. But it just seems like the reasons behind the release were very questionable, to say the least. Yeah, I was just about to ask you from clarification. Like People said it was because he got COVID, but I mean, I mean, anyone can technically get it, so they're just going to release everyone because they have COVID. I mean, he was at a party, I get it, but like, I still don't think that's a reason to fire the guy. I just... Like I said, maybe they promised people they'd be more safe or more cautious, and he got it, and they just maybe want to make an example. And, I mean, like you said, him them getting rid of him isn't the biggest loss. So, 
mean, maybe that's why. But besides that, I mean, anyone could technically get COVID, and whether they're just going to fire everyone that gets COVID, I don't think so. So yeah. maybe it's just they really didn't have much for him to do, and they're just like, might as well cut bait and just use it as an excuse. But, I mean, it's the whole Forgotten Sons thing was always, to me, just a, just a dud. And then the Knights of Corbin, I mean, I'm sick of the King Corbin shit anyway, so that kind of just, like, brought more longevity to it. So hopefully they can just move on from, like, they really need to move on from that. I just, so maybe getting rid of him will help that process, but I just, that that's the bigger end game. They need to move the King Corbin shit off of, Baron Corbin. It's oh, terrible. it's awful. Well, I'm not going to say that. I'm glad they released him just so we can get rid of the King Corbin shit, just because it's someone's job on the line. But, no, I do agree. Hopefully, in in the end, we can move on from the whole King Corbin shit, because it was terrible. Um, but, yeah, no, just to clarify, it wasn't because he got COVID, but it was because he went to a party, and then as a result, got COVID from that. But we know for a fact, from footage that we have seen on social media and elsewhere, that not just members of the main roster, but people in NXT have gone to parties without masks on and have probably maybe not gotten COVID, but have put people at risk for getting it. And we there were, there were we saw the reports late last year when they were holding parties and there was the outbreak of COVID late last year around like October or whatever. So I don't know. It just seems very odd. They just used it as an excuse to get rid of the guy. And again, I'm, I'm not sitting here crying over it. It's not the, uh, you know, it's not a top tier performer and the guy's good, but no one should lose their job over something so dumb when they, you know for a fact they're not going to hold other people to those same standards as uh, Rey Mysterio, who got COVID back in December, he confirmed, and, you know, Finn Balor, for example. I don't think he would do something like that, but um, yeah, just very weird. But anyway. Yeah, it's, it's just a bad excuse. And, yeah. I mean, like I it's said, just it's not a, bad a huge look. loss. Yeah, it's not a great look, but I think at the end of the day, they just. It sucks, but I think it's just, just like it's just the reason they get rid of the guy because they're not doing much with them. Yeah, no, exactly. That's that's probably what it was. So, um, yeah, his ninety day compete clause expires in ninety days. He'll probably end up in Impact with uh, Diana Perazzo. I would not be surprised. Uh, we transition now over to Monday Night Raw from this past week. A slightly better, and I don't want to say that with uh, a lot of emphasis, just because it wasn't a drastically. Uh, much better edition of Raw than usual, but it was slightly above average in, in terms of recent Raw standards, which is not saying much, but um, they did announce a lot of stuff for the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, which I mistakenly thought was on February 28th, which would make more sense, because the Rumble pay-per-view was on the 31st of January. The Chamber pay-per-view is now officially next Sunday, so it's coming up quickly, um, and then I think we have Fastlane, I want to say on March 21st, and then, like, WrestleMania is, like, three weeks after that, so I don't understand it. I'm not, I'm, I think the Fastlane pay-per-view is completely pointless. I would have just done what they did last year and done Elimination Chamber. And they also had Super Showdown last year, I guess, too. But I would have done Elimination Chamber in early March and then just done that because a three-week build for a pay-per-view like this um, is just way too rushed. But we did find out we are getting a WWE Championship Elimination Chamber match between Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Sheamus, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, in The Miz. As announced by Shane McMahon, I'm not even exactly sure why Shane was on the show. Um, the first time we've seen him since, I think, the Raw Underground stuff. He may have appeared after that for something that I'm not... I know, he, actually, he was at Survivor Series for the Taker thing, but other than that, he has not been on the show in many, many months. Um, I don't think he was advertised unless I didn't see it, and maybe he was, I don't know. But yeah, Shane showed up, announced the match, and we're getting this six-man chamber match between only former WWE champions. And even with that logic, 
Dude, The Miz should not be in this match. And I'm the biggest Miz fan in the world. The Miz should not be in this match. Based off the booking alone, even Jeff Hardy should not be in this match. For all the losses this guy's endured to the hands of Elias and Jackson fucking Riker, I mean, it makes absolutely no sense, especially with a guy like Miz, after losing to Damian Priest a week earlier, to then put him in contention for the WWE Championship is just completely mind-boggling to me. Um, and it is only former WWE champions, and The Fiend is still dead technically, so that's why he's not in there. I don't know what's going on with Braun Strowman. He came back a few weeks ago. He wasn't on Raw last week. He wasn't on Raw this week. He's not a former WWE champion. He is a former Universal champion. But, um, yeah, so, again, I think this will be a great match on paper, but the whole former WWE... I mean, even with that logic, they should have put Kofi Kingston in there. But, I don't know, I just felt like the announcement was very flawed, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I understand the like the parameters around it. They want to say WWE champions and make it seem like a bigger match. But yeah. with the Miz and Jeff Hardy, just them alone, like they both have been losing a lot lately. They don't mean much. I mean, Sheamus has been doing great stuff. Same with Drew and Randy Orton. I mean, I, who else is even in it? So Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, McIntyre, Sheamus, Miz, and uh, Hardy, and Styles. I'm sorry, Styles. I was gonna say, and AJ makes sense because AJ's been on a roll, but like. Why not put Bobby in there? Maybe they don't want Bobby to lose, but like, I think he deserves it more. I know, obviously, it's champion, but even if you're going to go with those standards, like you said, Kofi should be in it over Jeff Hardy and The Miz. I mean, Keith Lee, I mean, obviously not a WWE champion, but I would replace Jeff Hardy and The Miz with, with uh, 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 who the hell is I just about to say? Kofi and uh, Keith Lee alone. I oh, mean, Keith Lee, okay. I mean, they, they've been doing better. The, like, I like Jeff Hardy, but I feel like he's just been such a, I don't even say a loser, just an under underachiever lately. And mm -hmm. then the Miss has been just like a complete loser. So it, it's, it's nice, but I just, I don't know, it doesn't make too much sense. I mean, by that logic alone with the whole wins and losses mattering, which they don't in this company more often than not, why not? I mean, I wouldn't have done this, but if you're going to have Priest beat Miz, shouldn't Priest be in the chamber and have a great showing and defeat? You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, but you're talking about a company that makes no sense. So yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense, but obviously it's not. Yeah, no, exactly. And I saw people saying, "Oh, you know, the youngest person in the match, aside from McIntyre, is the Miz, and he's 40 years old." I don't really care about age. Like these guys are all stars for the most part. It's not really an age thing. Like I saw people saying, "Oh, the the lowest, like the youngest person in the." Men's Rumble was like 30-something years old. I don't, I don't really give a shit about age. I don't want to see a bunch of 19-year-olds in there, but it, it's just a matter of making new stars and what makes sense. If it makes sense, then I'm fine with it. Like, the Men's Rumble, I wasn't thinking, oh, there's all these old people in here. I don't give a shit. Like, if it makes sense... I mean, obviously, Youngblood is key. Like, I don't want to see Big Show and Kane in there. Kane was fine. Big Show, come on. Mark Henry, come on. Um, but with the Chamber itself... What do you think they're setting up here? Is it a Sheamus title? And I feel like it almost has to be, because otherwise, why would you do this for the championship unless we're getting a championship changing hands here? Um. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't want Drew to lose in this. I mean, I guess, like, technically he doesn't... I don't know, like... I guess, but, like, I just don't think Drew... Because I feel like if Drew loses here, they'll do him and Sheamus at WrestleMania again, and Drew will get the belt back. Yeah, that's what I figure they do. Yeah, but that's not stupid at that. Like, what's it? Like, it's like the same thing they did with him and Orin. What's he gonna drop the title for a month and get it right back? Like, who gives a shit? Yeah, but I mean, I don't hate the idea, but um, I don't know. I just don't know. 
Well, I think what would make more sense is if they just did a number one contenders chamber and had Sheamus win that. I mean, I think that just would have been better. But I think if they're if they're putting the championship on the line, if you have McIntyre retained, then how 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 the hell do you set up Sheamus and McIntyre for Mania otherwise? Like, I want to see if it isn't even if it doesn't go to WrestleMania and they do it at like Fastlane, for example. Sheamus still needs something. I mean, the guy needs something. So I don't know. I you don't like the idea though. No, I mean, I guess I just, uh, I just think, like I said, I'd rather if Sheamus going to win the belt, I'd rather him wait till WrestleMania to win it, and then make it mean more, and like it'd be a bigger rub. Him just winning, like, because technically he, he could have McIntyre lose to someone else, and then he just win the belt from fucking the Miz or someone. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't really love that idea. Mm-hmm. It just, I feel like it's just like giving Sheamus a win, but like if he's not actually beating Drew, it doesn't really mean much to me. Uh, what do you mean, their eventual singles match, you're saying? Just like, yeah, I mean, like, if he be, see, like, see that Drew gets out, like, before Sheamus, like, just see that Drew gets out by somebody else, and then Sheamus just happens to go in and win it, like, I just, I don't know, I just don't think it, like, means as much as if he just beat him one-on-one. Yeah, well, no, the way that I see it going down is it coming down to Drew and Sheamus, because um, then Sheamus can go after Drew, beat Drew. What what I would have done, I think it was dumb to do the turn when they did. Because, yeah, it was unexpected, but, like, not in a good way. Like, I felt it was a bit abrupt. And I know they've been building this up for months, but I don't know. I feel like you could have done the whole friendly competition thing in the match and then have Sheamus just go berserk on him and then turn heel or whatever. Or, or have Drew beat Sheamus um, via, like, a roll-up or whatever, and then Sheamus turns on him, and then you get to the Mania match. I feel like if you have him go heel already, which he already was a heel, but you know what I mean. If you have him turn on Drew and then lose at Chamber, he just looks like an ultimate loser. You know what I mean? Then there's, like, no reason to do the match. But I see what you're saying, though. I mean, obviously, I think the turn... I just... Uh, I feel like the turn was clearly done for a reason. I mean, maybe... I, I, I mean, this is Paul. I mean, maybe Drew wins on on Elimination Chamber, and they do him and Brock. I mean, that's what's in my the back of my mind. I, I just don't know why else he would turn Sheamus if that wasn't the end goal was him and Drew at Mania. I mean, now I just think it's going to be Brock and Drew, and I just I don't know. Like maybe Sheamus wins, but then I don't know. Like just Miz cash in. Like I, I don't know. I, I'm also he should not have the like he him in the briefcase is fucking stupid. He cashed and lost. Like, stop. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> Where is this going? Like, I, who knows? Exactly. So that's my point. Like, eventually he's going to have to cash in. I mean, I'd rather have him cash in on Sheamus than Drew. But, like, in reality, you shouldn't even have the briefcase if he already lost. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Like I said, I, I think I think there's a better chance of Drew winning and they do Drew and Brock and Mania than Sheamus winning here and then they do him and Drew. Because, like, him winning the belt. So what, is Sheamus going to hold the belt for a month and a half and just feud with Drew going into Mania, like, them having... Like, they've already faced a few times anyway, so, eh, I, I wouldn't do that. It's just not... Like, Mania should be fresh. Even though it's Lesnar, if they did Lesnar and McIntyre, at least it's a year or later, and, like, it's re, a rematch of a match before, like, I, like, that's fine. But I hate when they go into WrestleMania, it's, like, the third rematch or the second rematch of, like, a few... It's, like, they've already been feuding for months at this point. It's, like, it's not fresh at all. Unless it's the blow- unless it's the blow off, I would be okay with that. I mean, it depends what it is. Uh, like like it, it's. I, very- I would rather. Go ahead. Do you want 
I would have rather just waited on the Sheamus turn and then done Sheamus and Drew Mania, which they didn't do. No, exactly. I would have waited to do the turn until here at Elimination Chamber or afterward or at the event itself. I just, I don't know. I don't know how you can drag this out another two months um, with Sheamus. With him already having turned on Drew and then not do the match before then. I think you can. I just don't know if WWE will, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, lot, I get it. You know, a lot like with the Bad Bunny thing. I feel like with the Bad Bunny thing, they've already had beat, uh, uh, Damian Priest beat The Miz. And listen, I, I've i actually turned a corner on this. I'm not saying it's the match I'm most excited for at WrestleMania. But the more that I think about the whole Bad Bunny thing, and I know we discussed this last week, but, um, you know, he, he was on Raw again this week. He helped Priest beat Angel Garza. Damian Priest benefits from this. Because obviously Bad Bunny and I, I did not know this, is a very big name in the music world, at least outside of the United States. Like, we have no idea who the fuck this guy is, but clearly he's very popular. I had seen somewhere, and I couldn't believe this just because I'd never heard of the guy. Um, I guess he's a big Latino artist or something, but he was the most listened to artist on Spotify in 2020. Like, I, that, that's a fact, and I did not know that. And apparently his merchandise is sold like hotcakes on WWE Shop the last couple of weeks, so... He's clearly very popular. It's not like the raw rating is through the roof because this guy is on the show. Um, but he's not in a prominent storyline, nor should he be. I'm actually kind of taking a turn on this because I think Miz and Morrison are the perfect people to be losing to a guy like that. Priest is getting a rub from it. It's a fine program for him to be introduced to the raw roster with. My only issue with it now is still what it was originally. I don't know how you drag it out until WrestleMania, which is literally two months from today. Yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, I don't know exactly, I think they might have, they might have hot-shotted it too quick, but maybe, like, maybe I like Fastlane, Miz tries to cash in, and Bad Bunny fucking stops him, or some shit like that, or he cashes in, and he actually cashes in, and then, before he can actually win the, like, Bad Bunny distracts him, then he loses the briefcase and the belt, and then, I don't know, like, that, I think that's where it's coming down, to, like, he'll cost the Miz... And then they'll do the match. Because, like, how else could you drag it up for two months? Like, if you just keep beating them, it won't, like... What they, why would they even give them a rematch if they can just keep beating them easily? Like, there has to be a bigger reason for them to keep this going. Yeah. Do you think we get maybe Bad Bunny and Miz at WrestleMania one-on-one? Or is it still the tag team match? Uh, I'd rather do the tag team match. Because then at least Priest would be, like... I guess Priest could be in the corner, but like, does, who cares? Yeah, no, I'd rather it be a tag team match. Do you think they could do a six-man? I don't know if Gars is sticking around, but he's back on Raw. I don't know where they were going with that whole romantic mystery lover thing they were doing with him. Remember on Raw for a couple of weeks they were doing those vignettes and they completely dropped them, or do you not remember that? I do. He was like walking backstage with a rose, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they just never paid that off ever. And it seemed like they might... I had seen someone suggest this, but I thought they were headed... Uh, in that direction with Eva Marie. And we've heard nothing about her in recent months, nor we have Melina, so I don't know what's going on with them. Uh, but he was back on Raw this week. Could they be building to a six-man with Miz Morrison and Garza versus Priest, Bad Bunny, and Booker T, given the ties between Booker and Bad Bunny? I mean, it's possible. I mean, that'd be a great way to get Booker like back in the ring, I guess. I mean, that's. I think that sounds better on paper than than Priest versus the... I think that sounds better than just the regular tag match that we just discussed. What about the whole Kofi Kingston-Ali feud? Now, I don't give a shit about Retribution, but I'm actually enjoying the Kofi-Ali back and forth. It does make sense from what we saw two years ago with Kofi taking Ali's spot due to Ali getting injured. 
I still think Kofi should be in the chamber. He never got a rematch of the championship, um, was never featured in that picture again. I feel like literally given the circumstances of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, at least one of them should be in the match, over like Jeff Hardy, for example. And I love Jeff Hardy, but Kofi should probably be in the match. And maybe then Ali attacks him and then he can't compete or whatever. Um, where do you think this is going? Is it Kofi and Ali at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view? Again, do they hold out till WrestleMania? Or do you do the New Day? And, I mean, I've seen, I, I know uh, Ali called out John Cena a little bit on, on Raw Talk this week. Does John Cena come back for a match with Retribution at WrestleMania? I hope not. I mean, I, I, uh, I hope that's not where they go with this. I mean, I just... I just don't, the whole retribution thing, like, I just don't understand how grown adults can look at that and be like, this is a great idea. Like, <laughs> it, it was never a good idea. The pe- like, it never was really going to go anywhere. Never ne- it didn't even have, like a, like, a germ of a good idea. It was just like someone was like, we're just going to dress them up and make them weird. Great idea, pal. And they just pushed it. Like, I just, I don't get it. And I just, like... I would rather them be their own names and just be who they are, and they can just like go with the the story of like we were looked over, just like Ali was, and like they don't have to wear these stupid masks and like give me a brain aneurysm when they come out to the ring because they fucking shake the camera around, like I just and they just look stupid. I, I just I will never get into this. I mean, it, it, usually it's a fucking bathroom break or a fast forward for me. I just I don't know how anyone thought this was a good idea, and I don't know why they're still running with it. Like. The Kofi Ali part at least makes some sense, but the whole group in general is just a fucking bust, if you ask me. I appreciate the attempt on Raw's part to try to make new stories, but Retribution isn't working. The Lacey Evans-Charlotte Flair stuff, I just... I guess it's nice to see Charlotte do something outside of the championship picture for once, but it's just... I just don't care. So they did Lacey and Charlotte on Raw this week. It ended in a DQ. And I guess because of that, because Charlotte got herself intentionally DQ'd, she was kicking Lacey's ass for too long. So I guess because of the DQ win, Lacey's getting a Raw Women's Championship match at the next pay-per-view. For what reason, I don't know. But we're getting Asuka and Lacey Evans at Elimination Chamber. Where are we going with the Raw Women's Championship and heading into WrestleMania? I know we've talked about this before, um, but does Charlotte take the belt at Fastlane from Asuka? Like, does Rhea Ripley factor into any of this at all at this point in time? What are you thinking? I mean, I don't know why the hell she's getting a title match. I mean, like you said, it makes sense, I guess. Like, if she won, she got a title match. She technically didn't win, but I guess she kind of did. I don't know. But I just, I don't know. Because, like, Alexa was, like, feuding with Asuka. She beat Asuka clean as a sheet. Then when she faced her, then they had, like, that non-finish. And then she wasn't even on Raw on on Monday. So I thought that's where they were kind of going with this. But. I mean, I guess now they're doing her and Lacey, which, I mean, I don't really care about Lacey, and the whole Charlotte Ric Flair stuff is just, I get it to a point, but I just think it's a stupid, and it's filler, and it, there's no real end game to it, so, I, I guess they're doing her and Lacey, but it seemed like they were going with Alexa and Asuka, and then that kind of just, she beat her, she faced her for the belt, they had a no contest, and then we've got nothing since. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I know they did... Asuka and Alexa for the Raw Women's Championship on the pay-per-view, or on the Raw right before Royal Rumble, and she wasn't on Raw this week, and she is one of the better parts of the show, in my opinion, every week. I know you would agree with that. Um, well, speaking of which, Orton and The Fiend, do we still, do, do you think we get the payoff of WrestleMania in a Firefly Funhouse type match? I think we discussed that last week, but 
Um, do you think that that that's where they might be going with that at this point, with Orton now in the Elimination Chamber? Makes sense. I mean, that's where I think they're going with it. You know what we never discussed last week? Why the fuck did Orton come out on the Royal Rumble with no scars on his face? Like, was that just, like, <laughs> them just like, oh, who cares? Like, it made no sense. He, like, came out on Raw six days before these burn, like, burn marks on his face. Then he came out the Royal Rumble. It was fine. I mean, obviously, it's the WWE, so we shouldn't be putting too much thought in that. Yeah. But he, like, wore a mask and, like, the whole nine, like... I know, I know, I know it's WWE people, but I mean, you can't just like gloss that over and act like, like, that was fucking stupid. Yeah, no, that didn't make a lot of sense, but my logic was, my reasoning for that was that he went to the same doctor that Kane did in 2003 when his scars healed automatically within the span of, what, a month or something? But even Kane had a towel on his head for like a couple of months before he was automatically healed and had no scars on his face whatsoever. Yeah. So also as we go into WrestleMania, you mentioned Keith Lee earlier and why he could be in the chamber, why you would want to see him in the chamber, but we already have a match set up for him at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. That's a triple threat United States Championship match with himself, Riddle, and Bobby Lashley. We've talked a lot about Bobby Lashley before. Um, I, I think I, I speculated on your behalf on, on hashtag Mr. Marceau, but I've seen a lot of people say, and people ask me, oh, what if Lashley goes for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania? I don't see that being a possibility at all. And I, it's not that I don't want to see it. I just I just don't think that's likely. Um, but do you think this match might be set up for him to lose where he doesn't have to get pinned? And what's going on here? What are your thoughts on this match? I mean, it's definitely possible. I think this is probably his best run he's had with the company. I mean, he's been so dominant lately. Um, couldn't even really tell you the last time he lost a match. I think he looks great. I mean, I don't know why Riddle's in there. Bobby's beat him like twice already, so <laughs> that doesn't make too much sense. But I guess it is. Like you said, maybe it is Keith wins and he pins he pins Riddle and then Bobby goes for the for the title. But Or he goes for Brock. I mean, I think that would be great. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think – this is probably the perfect spot for him to lose the belt and then not actually lose. And then you can go on to better things. But I mean, I, I would, I'd be done for a Bobby title run at this point. Yeah. I think it's more a matter of when than if not that it will happen, but more a matter of whether, what, what is the best time for it to happen? And I think, again, you got to strike while the iron is hot. We say it constantly. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. I like riddle. He just hasn't been booked the best lately. And Lee, Obviously has some momentum, even though he's been off the show for a little while. Um, and with Bobby, I mean, and hey, Bobby may win, and then Brock may finally realize that there is such thing as a United States Championship, as you mentioned last week, and we get that match with the championship at WrestleMania. I'm not holding my breath, but that is also a possibility. It, it is a possibility. I mean, I, I think that match, I mean, imagine if you beat Lesnar. I mean, make it seem like the United States Championship is better than it is. I mean, I think Bobby's done good with that so far. Um, but, I mean, I think the one-on-one -on -one match is probably one of the last real dream matches we have with Brock at this point. I mean, I think everyone's been clamoring it for it. They both have an amateur background. They both have an MMA background. I mean, it makes too much sense to not do it. I mean, they'll probably wait for another 10 years down the line to do it because they love doing that. <laughs> oh, a dream match? Yeah, we'll, we'll do it 10 years after the fact. So, we'll get out there and Brock will be in his mid-50s and so will fucking... Lashley and they'll look like shit and I'll be like Undertaker Goldberg <laughs> exactly. but I mean like you said he's the hottest he's ever been it's I think this is the best time at least go for the belt and win it or to face Lesnar like this is the biggest it'll get at this point I feel like yeah if, if they don't do something with them now then they're just missing the boat which again is nothing new but I just really hope this is the exception 
Uh, we'll talk about Dynamite real quick before we get into TakeOver Vengeance Day predictions. Um, I honestly, I saw a lot of love for the show on social media, and I, I thought the main event was great. And the women's match was also really good, too. But I thought everything up until that was just kind of there. Like, um, Alan and Joey Janela actually had what I thought was a pretty good match, and I could not care less about Joey Janela. But I actually thought they had a good match last night. It was a good title win for Alan. But what they did with them later on and getting dragged by the car, it just it feels like they're really just trying to kill time with the Sting Allen thing. I felt like they blew their load to the Sting debut way too early. And I know it was the Winter is Coming episode, but in retrospect, I kind of wish they had waited until January to do that just because they now have three months of where Sting can't wrestle until then or whatever they're doing with him. And he's out there just doing the same shit every week. Pack and Ryan Nemeth, who gives a fuck? Ryan Nemeth is not good at all. Um, Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson, again, who cares? Beating Peter Avalon, Cesar Bononi. I thought I was watching an episode of Dark for a second. Um, even the Inner Circle in a claim match, again, it was good, but like the match itself was kind of, it was nothing really notable. Sammy Guevara quitting Inner Circle was more notable. That was the real focus there. And that was about it. Again, the, the, I thought the end of the, the show stuff with uh, Thunder Rosa, legit, uh, Layla Hirsch, rather, very good match. Main event was great. Sammy Guevara maybe becoming a babyface. Do you see that being a possibility, RJ? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I, th- I think I think the money's more on MGF right now, but, I mean, that's a possibility. But, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you went through a quick rundown of the show. I'll kind of give you my two cents. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, th- I saw people acting like Joey Janela was fucking Kurt Angle in the ring after that match. I mean, <laughs> if you read the comments on a post that they posted, people were like, see, Joey Janela is really good. This is like he. This is why he should be pushed. Imagine people think he's not good. I'm like, dude. If anything, this did more damage to Darby than it did any good for Joey Janela. Joey Janela is <laughs> terrible. And two, like. Darby should have beat him in five minutes. Like, he should not have gone toe-to-toe with Joey Janela in a 13-minute match where he barely, like, Janela, like, dominated in the majority of the match and then now in one. But, like, it's just, no. Like, Joey Janela is a glorified jobber. Darby Allen should be beating him in seconds. Even, like, beating him convincingly. Then they do the thing a little later on. Okay, that maybe looks a little bit better. But that's another thing. Like, they keep dragging on this stupid Darby Allen sting stuff with Team Taz. Like, they act like they're all badass, but then these five guys attack a 150-pound skateboard guy? Like, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Sting just looks like a fucking idiot. He doesn't do anything. does the same promo every week, so we can hear Tony Schiavone yell, at Sting! <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? And every time they're about to do an interview with him, fucking Team Taz interrupts immediately. Yeah. Every single time. On the time. video screen, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's anyone. Anytime anyone cuts a promo, someone immediately jumps in. But, like, that, like, who cares at this point? Like, what's he going to face Hook? Who gives a shit? <laughs> that's what I think about those Sting Darby. Then they waited, they, they blew it way too quick with this. If they're just going to trot Sting out there to do a fucking interview every week, like, who cares? I didn't even see the Ryan Nemeth thing, and I really don't care because he sucks, too. Um, the Pac Nemeth match was, like, like you said, that blonde on Dark, nothing crazy. Cody and Lee Johnson versus Peter Avalon, Cesar Bernoni. Deserve to be on Dark. I mean, <laughs> the MJF and Sammy thing was, like, okay, but, like, very overdrawn. Like, punches him once. He had to, like, he took that stupid baseball bat, hit him in the ribs, like, 15 times. Like, one punch to the ribs, and he's got he's got to tape him up, and they're injured? I mean, well, No, no, well, that was the joke, like, I think. That was the joke. Yeah, but it didn't really land with me. I thought that was just fucking stupid. And then... <laughs> I don't really understand why the Bucks are facing 
proud and powerful next week when they were supposed to, like... Well, yeah, yeah, what I was the setup got, there? What would happen with that? I missed they that. Because they got eliminated, or they they got eliminated by them, so that's why they're facing them next week. Then what's know. the fun? What's the fucking point of winning the battle royal if you're just going to be not the number one contenders, but the number two contenders? If you get a title, that makes no sense. I mean, it's not just an AEW thing. Impact did that this week too, but it's like, what's the fucking point of winning the? What would Santana and Ortiz don't have to win the battle royal if they're just going to get a title shot anyway? Come on, man, what the fuck? Because they eliminated the Bucks is like their reasoning, but that's still stupid. It but is dumb. I, that's stupid. That's stupid. And then, I mean, the Hangman Matt Hardy stuff, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, I, I don't really see a really big end game on this, but I think it's just kind of something for Hangman busy. to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess, like, I mean, it's better than nothing, I guess. Uh, Thunder Rosa and Layla Hirsch, I mean, really good match. I texted you last night. I mean, yeah, she's great. Wasn't her biggest fan, but I mean, I feel like Thunder Rosa, like, besides, like, Moxley and Jericho and like the big names they've gotten. I think she's probably the best addition they've gotten so far. I mean, she's great. She puts on great matches. She's fucking smooth as butter in the ring. I mean, she made Layla Hirsch look fucking way better than she's ever looked before. I mean, then Hirsch so is good, good too. Match. I think, but I agree. No, I think Layla Hirsch is good. I, I I just think I think Thunder Rose is so good that she's one of those people that you could put her in there with pretty much anyone. She'll make them look great. Yep. So yep. definitely. Definitely applaud them on that. I think Thunder Rose has definitely been one of their best additions so far. Um, glad the Joshi matches are on YouTube. I, I don't need to see like a a, a tape match on on, on uh, Dynamite. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. Doesn't really make sense though. So like, when they get to the finals, what are they gonna do? Like, they'll probably have them come over. I would imagine whoever it is. And also, I don't really get why Riho is on the American side. That doesn't make too much sense, but. No, there's isn't. Uh, yes, she's on the American side. Um, Serena, not Serena Deep. Thunder Rosa. I mean, isn't doesn't isn't she from Mexico? I know she's Mexican, but I don't know if she's from. I don't know if she lives in Mexico. But like, the, legit Layla Hirsch, for example. I don't think she's American. I'm pretty sure she's Russian or something. But anyway, it's well, that's stupid. like Conte. Exactly. Well, same thing. She was another one. Why is she in there? She's Brazilian. I mean, you can. I mean, I think she's great. I'm, I'm very happy she's in there. But why call it USA and Japan if it's I don't know. They just call it, like, the World Tournament or something. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. Like, the way the brackets, at least the American side of the bracket, I mean, I, I said this in the hashtag, like, Britt Baker should be the number one contender. Like, there's no need to do this. Yeah. I mean, maybe spotlight some new women, but how about you just use the women that you already have correctly, then work on that other part. Yeah. Um, but, like, the way the brackets are set up, like, I, I, I fear that she's not going to win. I mean, they have... Riho and Serena Deeb, it's like, okay, they're going to face the Thunder Rosa. I think Serena Deeb would make the most sense because then you can do her and Thunder Rosa again. That's what I would do, but who knows? They, they You know, they love Riho, so she might win there. But then it's like Ty Conti and Nyla Rose. like, okay, like, I would like Ty Conti to win, but I don't think she's really going to beat Nyla Rose, so I would say Nyla Rose wins that. But then are you going to have Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose? No. You'd probably have Anna Jay versus... Nala Rose because she's a face. So like mm-hmm. that, like I feel like she's not gonna win. Like I would love Ty Conti to win, and then she faces Britt Baker and then loses to her. But like I don't think they're gonna have Nyla La Rosa lose again. Like she hasn't done shit lately. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of fearing that she won't win it, and that's I mean, she should win it. She's the fucking number one contender. She hasn't lost forever. Yeah, I don't know. I just. I don't get it. I don't know. It should be Britt Baker winning. I don't think there's any need for a tournament. I mean, it, even if she does win the tournament, that's great. But, like, this is a whole... I mean, if, if they showcase the women, that's great. But, like, her beating Thunder Rosa should have been enough for her to qualify for a title shot, you know? 
Exactly. And then even if you want – okay, even if they want to do the tournament, they should still be – Britt Rashida should be like the title match at Revolution, and then they can just do a number one contender to spotlight the women. I mean, Britt Rashida should have to win a fucking tournament she's beating everyone else. It's not like – it just doesn't make much sense. She's a number one contender. Yeah. I mean – I fear that she won't win it, and I'll give it to one of the Joshi girls, and then I, I don't really know where you go from there. I, like, I love Sheeta. I think Sheeta's been great, but her title run's been an understatement being generous. I mean, she's never on the show. Her matches, like, they've been good, I guess. I mean, everyone, oh, my, she made Penelope Ford look like fucking Sasha Banks, and Penelope Ford hasn't even wrestled since, and her next match she had looked like well, it looked like normal felt Penelope Ford, so... <laughs> I just, I just don't think they've used her correctly, and people, oh, this tournament, they're gonna spotlight the women. Oh, like, are they really? Spo- what are they gonna have? One women's match a week? They've already been doing that, anyways. Yeah. Oh no, you gotta go out of your time and watch on YouTube on Mondays to see the Joshi turn. Like, I don't have time for that. No. It no, clearly is not that important. And, and one last thing, it's clearly not that important if you're putting it on the YouTube show. No, I agree. Like the deadly draw. Care, yeah, I mean, that was a fucking bust anyways. They fucking, that was stupid. If anything, <laughs> D, uh, Anna J and fucking Ty Conti should have won that because they're still on the show at least. Exactly. But they give it to fucking Diamante and Evil Lucio. I mean, I haven't even seen them on Dark. I mean, I, I only watch with Ty Conti, so I mean, they're they on, be on there. I might... They're on a decent amount, but not. they're never really on Dynamite, though. Yeah, so, I mean, and then the main event, I mean, for what it was, it was fine. Not the biggest Omega fan, so I mean it, it was fine. I enjoyed the, it. They had to get the they had to get the potato spot in there, like they had to do that. You know that they, they like they could just jack off to that, so they had to do that. <laughs> um, I mean, I like Kenta. I just the dynamic. I don't know. Like, I I just don't know if I would have done this first match in a in a false count anywhere tag match. I agree. Love Lance Archer. Just don't understand why he's a face now. Yep. And then Moxley, and then. The whole Good Brothers thing, I just, I don't know, like, they, like, tease, like, oh, like, uh, Kenta and, like, John and uh, Omega, like, they might, like, they, they might not like each other, and they were fine the whole match, so, like, I didn't really get where that was going, and I hate Don Callis on commentary, I think he's so annoying. Yeah, no, I, I know it's supposed to be annoying, but yeah, no, annoying. I understand. I know what you mean. Like annoying to the point where you don't want to watch the show, or it's like go away. Like, he, this you know? was this this was five years like in the making. Like, dude, no, it wasn't. If it wasn't for Tony Khan, <laughs> I know. Yeah. If, this, if Tony Khan wasn't a rich mark, this company wouldn't even be going on. <laughs> I know, so. but he says that he says that on purpose. But I know what you're saying, though. Ugh. So I mean, it was what it yeah. was. And I like, I just I don't really like. I like the Good Brothers, but I mean, they're just kind of just there as well. I like them, but they're just kind of there. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch Impact. Like, like I said, got better stuff to do in my life, but. <laughs> I just like I like them. I think they're good, but like they, I, when I was listening to Cornette, like Cornette's big on them. Like he really likes them, but like Brian last said it, I completely agree. Like I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I was like, that was a great Good Brothers match. Like I think they're good, but like I just think they're just like good. I, I don't even know how to score them. They're good, but like I don't think they're great. And I think like a lot of people act like they're like the greatest thing ever. Yeah, like, no, good, I agree. But... I agree. Yeah, they're they're a little overrated in the ring. I think as characters they're entertaining, but in the ring they're a little overrated. I think. And they, I think they, like, tease some stuff for next week. I think we got, like, Young Bucks, Proud Pro and Powerful. We already discussed that. Uh, yeah. Isn't it like a... F- oh, God. I think it's, like, private... This one makes no sense. Private Party, Matt Hardy, and Hangman versus, like, 
Chaos Project and <laughs> I turned off the show at that point. Fuck Chaos Project. Seven heels and a baby face. That makes sense. That's another thing I don't like. Like they have Pack versus Ryan Emmett. They're both heels. They have too many heel like. Why do they? They always do match with heels. Like who am I supposed to cheer for? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I That's another it. thing. Like I mean, I'm like I thought the show last night was like okay. Like you said, I thought the Brit or Thunder Rosa and what's her face Layla Hirsch was good. The main event was like fine for what it was, and then. We said something else we liked. I can't think of it. But. Oh, just the main event. I like that. And uh, oh, the Sammy yeah, Guevara MJF stuff. Darby. I mean, oh, Darby. Nice. Fucking. I mean, I tweeted about. it. I was like, so Darby's fucking getting brought to the limit by Joey Janela, and uh, I looked at the comments, and everyone was acting like he was the greatest thing ever. So, I love Darby. I just, ah, I don't know if they're using him correctly. The team town. I like team Taz too, but they look like a bunch of pussies. So. <laughs> It takes five guys. Like they couldn't. Like they can't go after Sting and Darby because God forbid. But like they can all attack Darby. Like that doesn't make them look strong at all. It makes them like they're like three like big muscle like muscle heads. No, know. yeah, I understand. Yeah. And I just know at the end, like I like them, but I know at the end they're not going to win. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think I think they have some pieces there. They're not really putting. It's like putting like they have some square blocks in the right in the right spots, but they keep putting like circles and triangles that just. They don't fit, guys. You don't. You can't put a circle in a triangle spot. It just doesn't fit. Like Cody, like this. I can't. Like I mean, this is gonna be great entertainment. Like this Cody Shaq stuff. I mean, I'll definitely be watching to see how bad Jade Cargill is. But I mean, that's just like another thing. Like they like thought this was gonna be the greatest thing ever. They give away on free TV for Christ's sakes. <laughs> yeah. Like why would you do that? You have Shaq. I mean, he's obviously not. I think he's a big name, but like, why would you do that on the pay per view? Yeah, no, I don't understand that. I I think it's just because there. I think there's an uh, an all star game that weekend. I think that's why or something like that. Okay. Um, Didn't they change the date of Revolution? Yeah, for for like a boxing fight the weekend before, but it wasn't. I think that March seventh is there's an, there might be an all star game that Shaq might have to be in attendance for. That's the reason that I heard. So. I mean. I guess I don't know. I just I like how you said I. There's a couple of people I do like. I think they're doing right by, but there's plenty of people I don't think they're doing right by, and it's like kind of frustrating. But yeah, no, like, I, I agree. love Britt Baker. I think she's been great. I think Thunder Rose has been great. But like, I love Hangman and MGF, and I feel like they've been going more downhill than good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where they go. I I, I didn't love this week's show, but you know, it had its respective highlights, and uh, I I have faith with the Hangman and Hardy stuff that it's going to pay off. I like both guys, so. I'm willing to give that one a chance. I do got to drop you in a minute, but real quickly yep. before I let you go, takeover predictions. Gargano, Kushida, who do you got going over? <laughs> I'll just rip them off. Gargano, yep. uh, fucking uh, Gonzalez and Kai. Yeah. Uh, I guess EO and Balor. Uh, there could be another match. I don't know. MSK versus uh, Grizzled Young Vets. Grizzled Young Vets. Yeah, I think I agree with <laughs> I agree with every single one of your predictions. It's, it's not rocket science, but it should be a good show. Vengeance Day is going to be fun on Sunday. So uh, this has been great, Mr. Marceau. We'll go in-depth to that review next week, and we'll also talk um, Elimination Chamber prediction next, uh, next week on the show as well. Sounds good. Take care, Mr. Marceau, and I'll catch your ass down the road. See you later, bro.